Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Adult Meets Disney podcast. I'm your host, Tom, and I want to thank you for joining me for yet another week. And today I wanted to do something really special because we are in the holiday season. We are a few weeks away from Christmas. And today I wanted to talk about tradition, mainly tradition around holiday films and in particular Disney holiday films. For me personally, the holiday season is without question my favorite time of year. There's no doubt about it. I'm that kind of person that starts putting the holiday music on like the day after Thanksgiving. All the decorations are up. I go all out for this, right? All out for it. One of the things that I always love to do this time of year is watch all of my favorite holiday movies. And there are a ton of them. And and they're not all Disney. Certainly they're not all Disney. There are several quality holiday movies out there. Some of the non-Disney ones that are certainly amongst my favorite. Elf definitely is out there. Um, any Pick any litany of Christmas Carol movies that are out there. The new one that that I'm kind of impressed is on that list now is Spirited, which is the new Ryan Reynolds Will Ferrell musical uh of a Christmas carol that is now on Apple TV Plus. That is surprisingly catchy. Uh the music is written by the same people that did Dear Evan Hansen, Pasek and Paul. It's incredibly catchy, so if you haven't seen it go check it out. But today I wanted to talk about the top three must-do Disney holiday movies. Now, and these are just mine. You could have very different ones. You could say that I'm totally wrong and off base, and that's totally okay. It is. It's perfectly fine for you to think that. These are just mine, and I'm going to talk a little bit about why each one's there and some fun facts and some fun stories that I've come to learn as I've gotten older, as all of these movies certainly are on the older side. These are all movies that I watched when I was a kid. And I think that goes back to why we even started this thing talking about Disney adults and how there are people out there that feel that Disney adults are just kind of like, why, why are you doing this? Aren't you too old for this? And my answer to that is no, we are not too old for this. And I think one of the main reasons I like these films is because it allows me a chance to go back to being a little kid to go back to being at my parents' house or my or my grandmother's house and watching these movies, staying up what I considered late at the time to be like 9.30. That's why I think one of the reasons why, at least, I like these films so much. Okay, so let's get to it. Let's talk about each one of them. So coming in for me, now remember, this is just for me, coming in at number three on that list, must-watch Disney holiday movies, the Santa Claus comes in at number three. So I remember when the Santa Claus came out, I believe I was in second grade when that came out. So it, it, it was a long time ago. But even watching it now, I, I think I've come to appreciate the Santa Claus more as an adult than I did as a kid. As a kid, it was great because, well, I knew who Tim Allen was. I remember watching Home Improvement. And I thought it was a fun movie. There was a little kid in it. I was able to identify with being a you know a little kid. And it was all great. And oh, look, he turns into Santa. And this is wonderful. And this is awesome. Now as an adult, looking at it the other way around, I'm like, wow, 
what what would happen if if in the middle of the night you just heard, you know, on your roof? Would you would you run out and just kind of be like, hey, buddy, I mean, I think we're all at the kind of the, the age now. I don't even mean adult. I mean, just like age and time now where if somebody knocks on the door, you like panic. You, you know, I, I do Do I open it? Do I go see who it is? Like unexpected visitors just causes that causes a lot of anxiety right now. So I can only imagine what it would be like then. And to look at it now that the Santa Claus, the line that's in there, the Santa Claus, the claws, not the Santa Claus, the person to realize that it was all about a contract that had to be fulfilled by virtue of putting on the suit and reading the card. A clever take, a real clever take on that. So I, I I get a lot of fulfillment out of out of yeah reading out of watching this film, and one of the things that I found interesting doing some just background digging. You go to IMDb or you just go online. You're like fun facts about X. One of the things I found out about this movie that I didn't know when I watched it. I mean I've been watching that movie every year since it came out. One of the things I didn't know was that the OG script was not what we got. We got the Disneyed script to that movie. The original script was apparently a bit darker in that it was the the concept was, well, if Santa got killed, what would happen? And in the original script, they actually had I I don't know if it was the the author, if it was Tim Allen saying that they ran out in the scene. He runs out and he's like, hey, hey, you, hey, you. And Santa slips and falls off the roof. In the original version, or at least one of the original versions, he was scared off because somebody went, uh, the person went out and fired a shotgun off. And at the time, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg got a hold of that and was like, yeah, yeah, you, you, you probably shouldn't do that. And one, that was very much a correct call to make. But two... I think this goes to show, and this kind of harkens back to some of the things that we talked about when Iger came back in after Chapek got booted. There, there needs to be that combo. And I think that's what Disney really is missing right now. A lot of people out there are saying that Disney has entered some stage of creative bankruptcy in that many of the products, uh, film-wise, are not generating profit. And we, we've talked uh, at length about the profit margin associated with some of these films, and they ha- really haven't been that good. The films may have been good, but the objective revenue and profitability of the films haven't been. And the last time that Disney really had hit after hit after hit after hit, especially animation, was back in the 90s. And back in the 90s, it was all under. Michael Eisner and Frank Wells. And that that relationship that the creative and the money person that was that was the secret sauce that made it all work. And then after Frank Wells unfortunately died, Michael Eisner kind of lost track of things. And that's what led to a lot of the decisions that happened post the Frank Wells era that a lot of people say were completely short-sighted and downright foolish, which ultimately led to 
Eisner getting ousted and Bob Iger being put in. And there hasn't been that combo since. Iger has gone out and purchased a lot of stuff. Chapek was like the money guy, but they don't have that combo. And I think that's what was missing. And we had that back when the Santa Claus came out. So, hey, here's to hoping that the future is going to be bright and whomever they bring in to replace Iger again is going to be the creative, but there's that other person. There's that money person on the background who runs it as a business because that's what Disney is. It is a business, runs it as that. And then you have the creative person kind of being the face and running the ship. That's the way that even Walt and Roy did it. And that's the way it should continue forward. But in any case, the Santa Claus is one of those films that just takes me back to being, you know, mid 90s grandmother's house, Christmas time, and it just brings all the feels. So it really is an all of the feels film. And I really think it was the start of Tim Allen's work with the Walt Disney Company at the time that the Santa Claus came out. Remember, Tim Allen also had the number one show on TV. He had the number one book in the country, and this turned into the number one film. This this was his moment. And this turned into probably him getting some, uh, getting that tap to be Buzz Lightyear for Pixar in 1995, and the rest is history. So there's a lot of nostalgia in this because Tim Allen played such a large role in my life growing up in the 90s between the Santa Claus Home Improvement Toy Story he he was one of the the main uh film figures and and entertainment figures uh, that that we had so i think i think it's also a bit of nostalgia from that perspective as well but in terms of feel good this movie really does hit you and i'm really a fan of it okay going on to number 2 the number two must-do Disney holiday film, Home Alone. And I know that this was brought in because of the Fox acquisition, and I know I have really trash-talked the Fox acquisition, and I feel it's justifiably trash-talked. But in terms of films, Home Alone is just... It's just so good. It really is. And... I, I a lot of people might say like oh a lot, you you might go towards Kevin as your favorite person and no my favorite part about Home Alone are the wet bandits they are no doubt about it they are my favorites and I think that the whole uh, Rube Goldberg machine booby trapped house thing at the end. That is hilarious in and of itself, especially as a little kid. You're watching this going, oh, it's 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 funny. Now watching it, you're like, wow, those people would probably be dead. Like if they got whacked in the face with a paint can, you'd probably be dead. You would. But as a kid, you're like, oh, this is fun to watch. And it was. It was fun to watch as a kid. I, I think that this was my first introduction to Daniel Stern. And he was in a few you know kid friendly films one of my favorite ones that i remember watching a lot as a kid was called bushwhacked where he stood in for a, a scout leader and hilarity ensued what i didn't know at the time 
again, being a little kid, was that Daniel Stern was the narrator voice for the Wonder Years. I never knew that. That was one of those things that I came to learn as I got older. So I think that my first introduction to him and him being just so funny, he was always my favorite one of the two. Marv was always my favorite one. The, 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 what I've come to learn about uh, Joe Pesci's character, Harry, I never really associated Joe Pesci growing up with anything other than this and My Cousin Vinny, because those were the two films that I, you know, as a kid, those were probably what you're going to watch. And this one, certainly more than My Cousin Vinny. And then when I was older, probably, I'd say high school into college, when I watched all of the mob movies like Goodfellas and Casino, I was legitimately horrified of Joe Pesci in those films, especially in Casino. He, he goes off the rails in that movie. To sit back and, and think to the fact that Goodfellas and Home Alone were released in the same year is kind of mind-blowing to me. I, I, I can't see Joe Pesci in Goodfellas and, the, and act the way he does and see Joe Pesci in Home Alone. It, it, it's, it's like, how did he do it? The, the acting ability to go from one extreme to another is, I mean, credit to him. He did a great job with it. And then to go and do Home Alone 2 two years later and still have, you know, he's, he's got that mob persona, but he's still, you know, the, the, well, I guess in Home Alone 2, he's the sticky bandits there. And then a few years later in 95, Casino comes out. I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this can't be the same guy, but it is. It is the same guy. And I, I think that something that I found interesting was that I guess being whether it was that he was coming off of filming Goodfellas or just his personal nature. The, the, the word throughout that I found throughout, you know, looking into some of the fun facts about this film was that he had a rather difficult time controlling his language and, and that he was using a lot of profanity. And, that, and there's a lot of kids in the movie. So every time that he insisted on saying something he shouldn't say, uh, Chris Columbus, who was the director, instructed him to say fridge. So I'm just picturing now, because I just watched this the other day, I'm picturing every time he gets hit with something like hit with the paint can or he gets so, you know, he does something happens during the booby trap scene that he just starts yelling fridge, fridge, fridge all the time. And that's making it more hilarious to me. Ultimately, I think my favorite Joe Pesci scene in the entire film has to be where he opens the back door and there's the blowtorch and the blowtorch just, you know, it rose his head. Obviously, that's all done with the Pepper's ghost effect, but the facial expression that he makes and this and just the sound he makes is hysterical to me. I, to this day, will watch that scene and just lose it laughing. And and it's the same guy who was in Goodfellas, the same guy who was in Casino. So credit to him because he can do comedy and he can do downright terrifying in those other films. So credit to Joe Pesci's acting with this. I will say that Home Alone 2 doesn't make this list. 
I'll still watch it. Don't get me wrong. But Home Alone 2, it just seemed a bit like too much. It, it, it really did. It seemed like a lot of it didn't really need to happen. In Home Alone 1, yeah, he could, Kevin could have just called the cops, but you're, he's a little kid. Uh, like, I get it. He's going to be scared. And there was a lot of things that happened in the setup to make me believe these things could happen. Like, his plane ticket accidentally got thrown away. The storm came through and knocked out the phone lines. You know, a lot of people weren't around at the time. He was uh, fed this story about his neighbor that he was this crazy serial killer, but he was just, you know, know, the, the old guy living next door. So they set it up well there. I don't think they set it up very well for Home Alone 2. They're just like, hey, let's do the same thing, but put him in New York City and see what happens. And yeah, it's it's that he could have easily just gone to the cops at the airport anywhere in the city. He could have told the people at the hotel. He could have told Tim Curry at the hotel. But yeah, Home Alone 2 is there. I'll, like I said, I'll still watch it, but Home Alone 1 is where it's at. It absolutely is in Home Alone 1. Okay, so that's number two. Number one, the number one must-see Disney holiday movie is The Muppet Christmas Carol. No doubt about it. That movie is that movie is a national treasure, and it really should be treated like that. I don't think there's anybody who will... Bad Mouth, The Muppet Christmas Carol. It's it's fantastic. It is. It, it is a perfect movie. It really is. And I think there's a few things that you could say about it. One, Michael Caine going in there and being like, here's this movie with the Muppets, but I'm going to treat it like it's like it's a legitimate, you know, showing stage production of A Christmas Carol. And he does. And I think that adds to it. It absolutely adds to it. So kudos, number one, to him. I think that they were able, since they were able to pull this off as the first film post Jim Henson, there was a lot riding on this. There was a lot riding on that movie being successful. And there is not a child of the 90s that will say this movie wasn't successful or this movie didn't mean something to you when you were a kid, and doesn't mean something to you now. It is a movie that I will watch not only repeatedly, but this is one of those films that's watched right before Christmas. Like, Christmas Eve is reserved for 24 hours of a Christmas story. This is that one that happens right before that. It's usually at night, you're usually sitting there, you got your hot chocolate, you're you're bundled up, everything's nice, there might be a little snow outside, and you put them up a Christmas carol on. Now that is that is the holiday season, the holiday spirit right there. And I think the best, <laughs> my favorite story about a Muppet Christmas carol. When, when Maureen and I got married, we went on our honeymoon a few months later. And our honeymoon was a Disney cruise followed by a few days in the park. And the Disney cruise overwent Halloween because Maureen's favorite holiday, no no doubt about it, is Halloween. And then mine is Christmas. 
So what happened was the, the cruise overspanned or, or, or Halloween happened during the cruise and there was a costume party on Halloween costume contest, the whole nine yards. And I'm not one to dress up a lot. I don't like the whole costuming thing, but hey, you know, you go along with it. And leading into it, it was, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to wear? Because it was a competition and you want to make sure you do well with it. So Maureen goes as Winifred Sanderson and she looks at me and she goes, hey, so what do you, so do you know what you're going to do? And I'm like, well, can I just go as Max and I'll dress up like, you know, dress up like I'm in the 90s. And she's like, nope. Like, you're going to make me go as a cat? Nope. Said, oh, you're going to make me go as the zombie. And she's like, yes. So I ended up getting dressed up like Billy Butcherson. So I had prosthetics with, you know, the spirit gum and, and all this stuff and face paint. My hands were painted and I had the 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 string over my lips and, and everything like it, it was an all out affair. It really was. And, you know, we went we didn't win. Oh, well. But when we came back to the room, it might have been around, mm, I want to say about 11 o'clock at night. So, you know, you're getting changed out of all this stuff and it's taken forever to get all this stuff off my face and it clicks to midnight and now it's November 1st and as soon as it hit midnight and I had all that stuff off my face I put a Muppet Christmas Carol on I said now it's my time and a Muppet Christmas Carol was the first Christmas movie of of that year for us in, in 2019 and I'm so excited to be able to go and watch it again not just this year but every year because it just is that good of a movie so those are the three the santa claus home alone muppet christmas carol certainly like i said there are other holiday films out there and i didn't even mention all of them but in terms of disney those three and easily the best one of all of the holiday films that i watch is a muppet christmas carol there is no doubt about it like i said any child of the 90s will not say otherwise. I can almost promise that that movie is sacred to us and we will always think that. Okay, and that is everything that I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed hearing about some of these holiday films and I encourage you go out there, enjoy the holiday season, watch your favorite holiday films, honestly, be them Disney or not, and let us know what are your holiday films of choice or holiday traditions that you have. Leave them in a review of this particular episode. And if you would please like and subscribe to the Adult Meets Disney podcast so you can be alerted when future shows come out. We have a lot of great things in store as we get towards the end of 2022. Until next time, everyone, I hope you have a magical day.